Welcome to The Working Ants with me, your host and coach, Rami Balut. I'm going to share with you secrets and strategies you only wish you knew years ago to accelerate your career today. This is practical stuff, no fluff. My mission is to create a new generation of leaders that brings out the best in people. This is where passions and profession yield profitability. Welcome to The Working Ants. All right, let's do this. We're going to have some fun today. We're going to talk about some edgy topics on how it is uh, we can recreate ourselves um, in the image in which we were naturally intended to and naturally inspired towards. And we're going to be speaking towards just that as it relates to uh, your networking, as it relates to the image you put out in your positioning, whether this be your LinkedIn profile or your resume. And if you go all out and you create videos of yourself, or you are simply trying to create a compelling reason why someone should hire you or someone should give you money. If you are an entrepreneur, we're going to have some fun in the way we describe our image. And I'm going to start with a really, really nice sort of passage, a couple of passages here from the 48 laws of power. For those of you that do not know the 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. This is one of my all-time favorite books to read. Not that I agree with everything that's in that book, but that book is just so powerful. It's a wealth of information and a wealth of strategies to consider based on historical narratives of those uh, pastime heroes you know, that we may, we may discuss in our day-to-day. And so I'm going to start out with law number 25 here from page 214 from the 48 Laws of Power. And it says, do not accept the roles that society foists on you. Recreate yourself by forging a new identity, one that commands attention and never bores the audience. Be the master of your own image rather than letting others define it for you. Incorporate dramatic devices into your public gestures and actions. Your power will be enhanced and your character will seem larger than life. And this is uh, pretty interesting that is actually said this way, specifically in the realm of public appearances and public images and how it is that we publicly speak today. And I thought that that would actually be quite resonating with you because most of our public speaking today and for the foreseeable future is going to be done virtually. And so how can we actually have the same effect, the same in-person style of effectiveness when we are doing things virtually? And how can we create a public image of ourselves, right? Doing so virtually versus doing so in person. How can we create the same sort of compelling behavior that we want to create, you know, for others and the way we interact with one another through doing things virtually. I mean, one thing that I wanted to actually read in addition to this was a passage by Giovanni Casanova. No, no, uh, no introduction probably necessary here, but this is someone uh, that Robert Greene also references in his book and someone uh, that also has this idea of what does it mean to master your public image in order to reach the top. And this was someone who really mastered societal norms, really mastered communications, uh, his image in the public eye, his conversations, his relationships, to reach a level 
of a society that one back in those days would only dream of, especially considering his original upbringings. And so he says in his book, uh, The Memoirs, um, he says, I knew that Rome is the one city in which a man can begin from the lowest rung and reach the very top of the societal ladder. This knowledge increased my courage, and I must confess that a most inveterate feeling of self-esteem, which on account of my inexperience, I could not distrust, enhanced wonderfully my confidence in myself. And he says here, the man who intends to make his fortune in this ancient capital of the world must be a chameleon, susceptible of reflecting all the colors of the atmosphere that surrounds him. A proteos, apt to assume every form, every shape. He must be supple, flexible, insinuating, close, inscrutable, often base, sometimes sincere, sometimes perfidious, always concealing a part of his knowledge, indulging but in one tone of voice, patient, a perfect master of his own countenance, as cold as ice when any other man would be all fire. And if, unfortunately, he is not religious at heart, a very common occurrence for a soul possessing the above requisites, he must have religion in his mind. That is to say, on his face, on his lips, in his manners, he must suffer quietly. If he be an honest man, the necessity of knowing himself an errant hypocrite. The man whose soul would loathe such a life should leave Rome and seek his fortune elsewhere. I do not know whether I am praising or excusing myself, but of all those qualities, I possessed but one, namely flexibility. And so this was an, an incredible sort of like revelation back then of, you know, what it would take to be a man to succeed in a city like Rome and in this booming city in the, in the center of the world, right? It wasn't Jerusalem, it was Rome that was the center of the world. And so what does he actually mean here and how can we actually relate it to our day-to-day -day life? And we're going to have some fun, of course, throughout the, our time with one another today, as, as I would hope we actually always do. But this idea of recreating yourself, being a master of the own artist you wish to seek for yourself and your reputation, uh, this is huge. This is a gift that you're actually being given um, in today's world. And I feel that with the changes that we've actually been seeing um, and how we deal day to day, the changes in business, a change in relationships and communication, the way things are getting done, a change in productivity, this is an opportunity to recreate yourself in a way that is totally in line and authentic with yourself and the way you want to be perceived. And there's some interesting sorts of channels and avenues and, and, and ways of looking at this. And we're going to be exploring some of them today. But I know for some of you, you must be asking yourselves, you know, Rami, who, who is Proteus? Um, who is this person? Just please describe this person to us because, you know, obviously in this quote, I'm sure if you're not uh, aware of Greek mythology or the Greek gods uh, back then, you may not understand exactly what he means when he actually, you know, speaks about uh, Proteus. Um, in this particular case, this was uh, either Proteus, or if you want to look at uh, the, the Greek mythology, this could be Prometheus. And these are individuals that were uh, damned by the gods in many ways. Uh, but this particular person was, they, they describe him as a titan who was chained and tortured by Zeus because he stole fire 
and he gave it to humankind. This is the person that actually created humankind from clay, right? This is Prometheus who actually did that. And this person was, was damned by the gods for a very, very long time for what he actually gave to, to humankind. But this is sort of like the idea of uh, what it is that Robert Greene was trying to refer to in his book. I mean, the idea of the power of we act that, that we actually have as human beings and how it is we can recreate ourselves into a, a character, a persona, a sort of public image that is in line with what it is that we need, uh, the necessity of doing so, but also one aligned to our true and authentic self. Because he says, you know, on page 218 in this book, and I, and I absolutely love it, he says, understand this, the world wants to assign you a role in life. And once you accept that role, you are doomed. Your power is limited to the tiny amount allotted to the role you have selected or have been forced to assume. An actor, on the other hand, plays many roles. Enjoy the protean power. And if it is beyond you, at least forge a new identity, one of your own making, one that has no boundaries assigned it to it by an envious and resentful world. This act of defiance is Promethean. It makes you responsible for your own creation. And Promethean here, going back to the uh, Prometheus that we actually described just earlier here. And so what does Robert Greene mean and how can we actually really apply this into our day-to-day -day world? Well, he says, you know, the first thing you need to do in order to be able to recreate this self, right? Recreating yourself, this law number 25 in his book is self-consciousness, self-awareness. And we've actually talked about this a lot, you know, this idea of being conscious, being self-aware of yourself, understanding thyself, right, in order to apply thyself more authentically. And really here, I think, as it relates to our times today, it's not enough for me to actually just say this and say, be more self-aware of yourself. Understand, you know, yourself in much greater detail. And of course, that is incredibly important. That's why, you know, in our program, we have our driving forces. That's why we, 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 we promote psychological readiness. Really, this is just the awareness of ourself right? The, the pains we'd like to avoid, the pleasures we'd like to seek out. And then we, we focus on the activities that we want to seek out for ourselves on a practical level. But how are we going to seek out those activities, right? How are we going to create those opportunities and activities for ourselves for a future transition? Because I am one to say, and I've always said this before, and that we need to imagine that we are being called up by somebody a year or two years out from now, Right? And this particular person is going to call us up and ask us, what have you been doing the last year or so? Or questions like, what would you like to be doing two to five years in uh, on, from now? And, and typically, you know, when we're asked these questions, especially when recruiters or hiring managers ask these questions, they typically become tone deaf. I can't tell you how many recruiters or hiring managers I've spoken to that typically become tone deaf here because they've, they've heard it all, right? It's like, well, you know, in the next two to five years, I see myself growing within the company. In the next two to five years, I'd like to take on a leadership role. In the next two to five years, I'm thinking about getting in a particular product. In the next two to five years, I'd like to be a part of strategy or I'd like to be part of a, an advisory, a steer, a steering committee, et cetera, et cetera. Typically, it's the same sort of recycled stuff 
that we hear over and over and over again. And what I want to do for you today, like the way we actually think about this is the recreation of this, but in such a deliberate way that it is extremely compelling to the audience in which is going to hear it um, from us at a specific point in time. What I mean by this, by that is this. So this idea of self-consciousness, right, and how it is we view ourselves and how it is we understand ourselves must be taken to the next level. It must be taken to the next level. And how can it be taken to the next level? Well, this is really where we get extremely explicit with the activities that we have partaken in in order to achieve a grander, more, uh, more uh, overtly strategic goal for ourselves in the future. And I want to give you an example here. So I had uh, a client of mine who uh, was a project manager, a project manager in technology, managing a few projects, right, under a program manager who was managing her and another 20 other project managers, right? And for her to stand out, it felt like it was just like an uphill climb, an uphill battle, like how am I going to stand out? really just project managing a specific technology here amongst another 20 other, 30 other at the time, I think it was either 20 or 30 project managers. So it was a, such, a, such a large pool of other project managers. And this person wanted to transition internally, right? This person was very happy with the company. This person was not looking to transition outwards uh, to another company, to another industry. This was a pure internal transition. What did this actual person do after really being able to understand herself in a way where she knew, right, things that we, you and I have practiced over our calls, you know, uh, what she supplied, what she received, the emotions she wanted to manifest, and the way uh, she left a room, um, and the tone that she was actually uh, speaking to one another, the, the physiology in which she represented, right? Once she understood the power that she actually could promote within herself, she decided then and there what sort of activities she needed to partake in in order to get promoted. And what she did was simply just this. What could I take from my existing program manager? What sort of activities can I extract from what this person is doing, right? So that I could actually emulate this person in a way where this person felt comfortable enough to think that I was this person's protege. I was this person that really embraced and embodied the values that this person promoted during their day to day. And she did that with absolute precision, absolute class, absolute deliberateness at the way she conducted her day to day activities. And, and, and how she did that was really applying herself in a way in the form of activities she would choose to partake in so that she would shine a much brighter light amongst a sea of other people. Part of those activities were very much aligned to her. They were very authentic to her. The other activities were very much playing the power and politics game of like, I want to prove to you that I understand you, right? And the biggest sort of level of significance we can achieve as human beings, remember this, please, is that of feeling understood. There is no greater achievement there is no greater significance we can achieve for ourselves in that we 
feel as if we are understood and understood in the way we understand ourselves. And understanding ourselves comes from this idea of self-consciousness. And the only way we can actually achieve self-consciousness is that we actually know that there are only elements that we are putting outside in the public eye that very much align with what is being given, what it is that we are told, what it is that is required of us in order to succeed. But deep down, between us, between ourselves, we understand that there's a certain level of understanding, a certain level of significance, a certain level of power that we can yield because we can conceal what it is that we truly are. And I say this because it's like, Huh, how does how does this actually apply to you know us pushing pushing this image of ourselves out there this this positioning we want other people to know well if you think about it everything that we've actually positioned ourselves towards in the public eye is is what it, it is it is palatable right to a public image of ourselves that is necessary for us to generate a level of conversation but between the two of us here, right, there's a much, much deeper level of understanding that we have amongst ourselves, at least between the two of us, that is a necessity, right, to take that to the next level. So when we talk about consistency over the course of our career, what we are really doing is building a narrative of consistency, and we are selectively, right, extracting personalized and quantifiable examples to support that. But deep down inside, there's a much greater level of self-awareness. And this greater level of self-awareness in its, in its most ideal manifested form as it relates to Giovanni and, and, and the Napoleons and the Lincolns and the Robert Greens, the great, one of the greater authors of our times, really comes back down to this idea of being change agents for ourselves understanding that we have a level of consciousness that can contribute to the change agent that we want to acquire for ourselves, one that is actually a necessity for a future transition, one that can actually be used in the form of levers and the way we actually portray ourselves publicly, right? Um, in Robert Greene's book, I'm almost sure it was actually in his book, maybe somewhere around these chapters, he talks about you know how people who show the true essence of themselves publicly can only go so far because human beings, what we'll typically do is say, my gosh, uh, we can only reward authenticity so much before we say, I mean, come on, this is a public forum. This is a public, uh, this is a public image you're put, putting out for yourself. How, how much vulnerability do you really want to show over the course of time? I get in the short term, you may want to show a glimpse of that. And just to show that you are truly authentic in the public eye, but there are truly other things that you could be thinking about that you could put out there in the form of content and contribution that is more consistent in the way other people should be viewing you, right? And there's this level of, you know, societal norms that we must adhere to, but deep down inside, you know, we must be creating something for ourselves that is, that is truly, truly, truly aligned and private at the same time, only used in a way where it's a, it's a, it's a necessity to be used. It's, it's actually necessary to be used. Um, and this typically comes between you and I, right? And the way we view ourselves, the level of depth 
right, that's going to be required for us to really work towards a future transition in that we truly understand ourselves and we understand how it is that our character has been formed, right, and being able to separate that into the character of who it is that we really are, right, our Adam 1 and our Adam 2. And Robert Greene says, you know, the keys to your power, right, is the following, like the character you seem to have been born with is not necessarily who you are, right? No surprise there. Beyond the characteristics you have inherited, your parents, your friends, and your peers have helped to shape your personality. The Promethean task of the powerful is to take control of the process, to stop allowing others that ability to limit and mold them. Remake yourself into a character of power, working on yourself like clay should be one of your greatest and most pleasurable life tasks. It makes you, in essence, an artist, an artist creating yourself. And this is here where I, I will sort of double down and say, you know, the idea of creating yourself doesn't necessarily mean that others must see this self. The idea of creating yourself is the idea of creating awareness of yourself, awareness of why you are doing specific things so that they align with the future activities and goals and titles, status, compensation, acquisition, achievement, whichever way you want to describe and fulfill those goals for yourselves, that level of, aware of awareness is what it is that I'm referring to. It's that level of awareness that is going to get you from one place to another because you know deep down inside why it is that you are doing it. You know deep down inside why it is you're taking on a task while ignoring another or putting very little effort into another. While it may be a, a, a necessity as it aligns to your roles and responsibilities, you will only do so much of one thing so that you can focus your energy, your passion, your desires on another. And that other thing is what is going to take you from where you are today to where it is that you want to be. And it may not be a defined goal or title or position of power in the future. It just may be a feeling, as I've said before, that you want to acquire for yourself. So please, please, please keep this in mind. You know, the, the first step, as Robert Greene said, was this self-consciousness, right? He's not the first to say it. You know, others say, you know, know thyself, right? But then the second step here, as he describes it, is self-creation. How can you recreate or create yourself, right? How could you do so? What are the means that are required for you to be able to do so? And here, this falls directly in line with the program on experimentation. How can you experiment with yourself in a way where you truly can extract the very, very most out of that part of the process? And that part of self-creation is the idea of doing things that, again, that I've said in the program that I say time and time again, that are the completely outlandish things, the things that you would never think you would actually be doing, the conversations you'd never actually believe that you, you would be having. It's these sorts of things. Last week, I had spoken to one of my clients. It was, it was a client that I had only met with once. And, and she was having some difficulty and, and taking her conversations to the next level. She had a great background, done amazing work, 
and didn't really have trouble networking. I mean, she actually was able to very quickly turn around conversations she had over LinkedIn into conversations over a call uh, virtually. But her biggest problem was like, Rami, how can I take that to the next level? I feel like I'm having these calls, but they're not really going anywhere thereafter. And after listening to her, and after listening to some recorded interviews that she had, um, or recorded conversations rather that she had, it was, it, was, it was quite clear to me that she needed to be consistent with the type of persona that she was putting out there. So imagine somebody who has great accomplishments, done wonderful things, which all of you included have actually done. But then this person who would be considered a great value add to a team was just unable to take the conversation further. And, and what it was, was, was quite an obvious thing. When she would get on a call and speak to these individuals, it would actually abruptly sort of like end in a way where it's, I think it left the other person feeling like, okay, what, go, what happens from here on out? What she assumed here was that her background was strong enough that the other person would say, listen, I mean, you are so great. I would love for you to be a part of, part of my team. And that never typically ever happens, but you know, you have to design the conversation to actually get to that level. And in her case, the one sort of game changer that took place was an actual question that I asked her to pose at the end of these conversations. One question, which by the way, very, very few people actually have it in them to actually ask, to actually pose, to actually do. And let's see if you actually feel the same way. So what I asked her to ask at the end of her conversation was something along the lines of this. Based on what you've heard today, based on our conversation today, how would you feel if I was a part of your team? How would you feel if I was a part of your team? Imagine asking that question at the end of, your, of, of a conversation. Imagine what sort of response you would actually get. There's a multitude of responses. But with a question like that, what, it, what is it that you've actually done when it comes to your networking, your informal conversations? It shows you're quite aggressive, right? You're not afraid to ask. You want a good understanding of how the other person felt about that conversation. You're giving the other person the opportunity to share with you their feedback. You're giving the, the, the other person the opportunity to have an explicit ask of them of whether or not you would be great as part of their team. And you are also providing the opportunity for the other person to take it to the next level, to formalize the process. And very, very few times do people actually do this. And the reason why they don't do this is because this idea of creating a persona that is aggressive enough in nature to acquire an opportunity is just not a natural thing for them, right? And yet, a natural element like this is actually required in order for you to be more aggressive in your conversations, in order for you to create an opportunity that you otherwise would not have had had you not explicitly asked for it. And this is what I actually want you to understand. Self-creation is not necessarily a 110% alignment with your core values. Self-creation is the necessity of the times. It's what Giovanni found when he was actually in Rome. The necessity of the times matched 
with the necessity of what it is you need to create for yourself is the necessity of yourself to transition should you feel it is a necessity for your life. And I want to make sure I make that clear. Just because we talk about career and transition and growth doesn't necessarily mean that it is something that you may necessarily actually need. It's something that you actually feel. And if this is something that you continuously feel for yourself, the idea, the feeling of wanting to do more, well then use that for yourself in a way that will positively give you the results you're looking for in your future. I had someone that I had worked with one-on-one who uh, most likely is listening to me right now, who said to me, you know, Rami, throughout this lockdown, throughout this process, I've come to the realization that I want to contribute more to society. I want to do something good for other people. It's not just my career. I want to do something good. And so this is a realization that, that came to me. What are your thoughts around that? It was something around those lines. And I will say this. You can actually use that, right, as a precedence for you to have conversations relating to your future career transition, even if they are totally unrelated. So you can imagine, right, others actually understanding and knowing that this is what you're actually doing in the form of your contributions, unrelated to your career or what it is that you want to do for yourself. And yet that in itself could be a form of conversation. That in itself could be a Trojan horse, right? That would actually give you the opportunity to do so much more than you ever thought you actually could do within that, within that scope, within, within just that limited scope. So you choosing to do just that rather than seeing it as a hindrance of time being taken away of what you could potentially be doing could actually be used right, for a future opportunity. And I'll give you a really, really great example of this. So if, 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 if you, for example, distributing in a time like this, your time for mentorship or distributing your time to help others, right, that in itself can be used as a pivot, right, in the way you actually position yourself for a future role. And so do not think that you must be doing activities that directly align with your career transition when other activities at the same time can be very, very much be used, right, as a supplement to doing just that. So it's kind of like, why do we go to networking events? Why do we do it? Do we go just to network? Well, if you go just to network, you're probably going to limit, right, the, the, the type of achievements you're going to make because if you're just networking for the sake of networking, you're probably not going to get too far. But if you're networking for the sake of having conversations, for learning, right, this, this clay-like Prometheus, right, way of, 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 of conducting yourself in your life, this clay-like Prometheus way that we discussed earlier, this is actually a way of, of extreme learning, right? And from that learning, you can either take it to capitalize on the conversation or you could take it to be used towards your next career transition in a more explicit way. So please, under no, under no circumstances, under no means do you have to think that self-creation, number two, right, is actually a big, big part of, you know, capitalizing only on those things that are aligned to you. 
No, in fact, it's actually capitalizing on what is available to you, the resources available to you, the, the Giovanni that actually came into Rome and saw all these opportunities to be everything he needed to be, right, in order to privately achieve his goals, which was societal status, right, this level of, of status. And what he did was navigate, right, in a clay-like Prometheus way, for him to achieve those goals. Were they natural to him all along? Absolutely not. But they were necessary all along in order to achieve this natural sort of state and natural sort of ability for him to shine in the way he wanted to. So I absolutely love, you know, just putting this out there for yourselves because there's just no one way of looking at this. It's a multitude, a plethora of avenues, of channels, of optics, right? And the way you can sort of recreate or create this image that you would like to have for yourself as it relates, of course, to achieving those goals that you have set out for yourself. And they don't have to be those goals in the, in the form of titles, in the form of industry, right? Roles and responsibilities. They could be just goals of feeling, of emotion, right? They don't necessarily have to be just that. And then lastly here, lastly here, as it relates to uh, Robert Greene, as it relates to Giovanni, as it relates to Abraham Lincoln, as it relates to Napoleon, and all those people that are have come before and after them, right? It's this idea of learning how to play many roles, learning how to play the role that the moment requires, right? And so when you are networking, for example, it's not just looking outward for someone to give you a hook, right? To reel you in, to bring you into their world, into their proximity. It's looking inward and understanding the dynamics of a conversation. It's looking inward to understand what is going to be required to speak to this person, right? To make them right? Recognize you for the person you want to be recognized for. And so this is this whole idea of not playing, for example, as we discussed earlier today, right? Uh, towards someone's empathy, towards someone's pity, towards someone saying like, oh, this person seems like such a nice person. Let me help them, right? But actually playing to their self-interest, actually playing to their self-interest. If you are able to do that, right, in a way that is somewhat authentic, somewhat recognizable to societal norms, that fusion, that little game that you can play, you know, that in itself can achieve so much more than the direct path of this is who I am, this is what I've done, this is what I expect to achieve, and this is why you should hire me. Remember, most people will hire you not based on your skill set and expertise, but based on the personality, the culture in which you actually bring. So please, please, please keep that in mind, right? And remember, I'm going to repeat this statement because I find it to be absolutely so beneficial. And, and you know, this is something that's just fact, right? The vast majority of us must understand this. The world wants to assign you a role in life. And once you accept that role, you are doomed. Your power is limited to the tiny amount allotted to the role you have selected or have been forced to assume. An actor, on the other hand, plays many roles. And I'm not going to continue that statement because I'm repeating it from Robert Greene's uh, book, 
But remember here, you must learn, right, to play many roles. You know, there's this uh, an- another quote from Robert Greene's book by Denis uh, Diderot, and I want you, uh, you can you can look him up, and he's no introduction here. But he says, "Do not people talk in society of a man being a great actor? They do not mean by that that he feels, but that he excels in simulating, though he feels." nothing. And so there are certain roles in our lives that we must actually play, not because we absolutely are aligned to them, but because they are actually necessary in the way we must position ourselves for a future transition. So I sort of like play this cat and mouse game sometimes, you know, with my one-on-one clients, specifically one-on-one clients that say, you know, Rami, I can't just say that. I, I can't just do that. What I mean by I can't just say that, I can't just do that. Like, let's just take the example of my client who had a very, very difficult time in, in actually asking that question towards the end of the conversation, which was, you know, based on what it is that you've heard today, how would you feel if I was actually a part of your team? That was like, oh my gosh, stunner, right? How could I ask a question like that? That is, that is just so not aligned to me. You know, asking a question like that, I just, I'm not sure how comfortable I feel asking a question like that, Right. Sometimes things are actually necessary. Sometimes we've got to play that actor. You know, so many of us have felt imposter syndromes in our lives. So many of us have felt out of place at times. In fact, so many of us felt out of place to the point where we felt, you know, that we had to make this next career transition for ourselves, right? And so if you felt out of place then, did you go back into work and people said, hey, you know, you're feeling, you look like you're out of place, you look like you're not actually excelling in the way you used to, right? When you're actually applying for another role or interviewing for another role, do other people know that you actually are in your role? No. Would your team, would you want your team to know that? Probably not. Is that the practice of deceptive behavior? Uh, wow. Well, I guess if, if you want, describe deceptive, Rami, you know? And so these are the sorts of conversations that I actually, you know, will have just to mold my clients in a way where they feel that, yeah, you know what? I have been a little deceptive and that's okay. People don't know, you know, what's going on in my household. They don't know some of the elements, the interactions I'm having with my spouse, right? And so I don't bring that stuff to work, but yeah, of course I'm not going to bring that to work. If that's what you want to call deceptive, then, then let it be deceptive, Rami. I mean, everyone does that. And you're, and you're right. Everyone does do that. But everyone also feels the necessity to selectively take what is natural and authentic to them and apply that in their career transition. Because there are a lot of other things that are actually not surfaced and not talked about, right? And we can't talk about them because if we actually did and we actually said those things, well, it probably wouldn't do us much good, right? And so this same thing flipped on, 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 on the side of its head, right, is very much aligned with what it is I've been saying all along and that there are things you must do. There, must, there are things that you must act on or become an actor for in order to achieve some of your goals. And even if they're unnatural, you must actually be comfortable with saying them. And that question, that question alone, by the way, that I've mentioned a couple of times now, is very much one of them. You know, even if, even if the role itself is not fully aligned to you, even if you didn't have so much fun in that conversation, ask it anyway. What have you got to lose? 
And I've said this time and time to my one-on-one clients and to you listening today, no one's going to force you to sign it on the dotted line. Absolutely no one. You alone have that power. And so why not? Why not entertain that game of interviewing for the sake of practicing, you know, if anything, right? By asking that question, even if you may not be aligned to the role. I had a client yesterday, a former client who was laid off from Uber. I mentioned this probably, you know, maybe a couple months ago, you know, when Uber had their massive layoffs. I had a client who was laid off uh, uh, from Uber and he did an amazing job, you know, through my discussions, through the process. I mean, he just, he was just set. This guy was aggressive by nature to create opportunities for himself. He had amazing relationships already in the industry and he made a few calls, you know, reached out to a few hiring managers, reached out to a few recruiters. The end result was as follows. He had the choice of five companies, two of which had already given him an offer, right? And one of those companies, which he didn't have an offer for, was, was one he really, really wanted to work for. And he came to me, he said, Rami, what should I do? This was just yesterday. He's like, Rami, what should I do? I've got two offers. One of them is an amazing company, but I really, really want this third company. What, what can I do? And, and, I, and, I, and I said to him, you know what? You're going to have to call uh, the recruiter. It's only been one interview. So he just had this one screening process. He didn't get into the formal interviews just yet. I said, you have to call that person, right? And, and you got to tell that person that, listen, I have another offer at this company. I know that I would be best suited for the role that you have actually offered me, but the role, the, the role that I actually have not actually gone through the process for just yet. But if you can please understand where I am coming from, you'll also understand this, in that if you really want me, if you really feel I have a shot at this, um, and if you really value someone like me coming to your organization, you need to accelerate the process within a week's time. This process should be completed by next week. And the reason why we pushed for that was because he only could push so far with this other company and allowing and allowing himself to actually make a decision a week out from now. And so that was it, right? That was it. It was that conversation. Now, you may want to know the end to that story. But to be honest with you, I don't know. That was just yesterday. I'll always be honest and transparent with you. But that was just yesterday. But that's not the first time it's actually happened. Was it an unnatural statement for someone to be so aggressive to actually say just that? Oh, yeah. It was, it was totally unnatural. He was natural at being aggressive and having a conversation. He was natural of, of showing how strong you know, his skill set is and, and, and what he's actually done for himself and in his previous work experience. But he was not natural in asking that question. And so ask yourselves, you know, what sort of question do you wish you could ask at the end of a conversation like that? And then ask it. And then ask it. And I'm not saying sabotage yourself here. Absolutely not. When I'm asking you to entertain the idea of asking an, another person in an informalized interview process where you can just simply ask based on what it is that you've actually heard today, based on the background that, that, I, that I discussed, based on what I presented to you, based on our conversation today, how would you feel if I was a part of your team? Right? Simply asking that question itself is, is, is liberating in a way because in so many ways, that's a question we actually want to ask, right? Remember I mentioned the Mark Anthony debut hit single, right? Tell me, baby girl, because I need to know. 
you know, if it's true, don't leave me all alone out here, wondering if you're ever going to take me there. This is the actual opportunity for you to make sure that you don't fall into that Mark Anthony trap, right? I mean, imagine Mark Anthony once hears about how many times I've referenced Mark Anthony in my career transition process. I could probably guarantee that he probably never thought about like, oh yeah, that song is actually being used in career coaching and never would have thought. And I can guarantee you, he probably never would have thought of that, right? But, but in the realm of that, right, this is where, you know, you need to take action for yourself, even if it's unnaturally to be able to ask that question. And, and what, it, what is it, right? I mean, do you get up and golf naturally for the first time? Do you get up and, 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 and swing a bat, you know, naturally for the first time? You don't, you know, you, you do what's unnatural until it feels palatable enough, comfortable enough to where it becomes a natural part of you. It's that muscle that you've always had that you just need it to work out for it to actually show, right? That's, that's all it is, right? That's all it is. And the only way you're going to start taking, you know, here we are doing sports analogies here, but I'm comfortable with that. I'll give you one more. The only way, you know, you're going to be able to shoot three pointers, right? Is if you actually do layups first, right? You pass the ball first, you dribble first, you do those small little elements first that contribute to this, you know, idea of like you taking a step back and saying, I'm going to go for it here, right? And the only way you're going to be able to do that for yourself is if you actually understand these elements, right? You are motivated enough. You are inspired enough. You are like, I am just going to do it, right? Instead of overthinking, because so many of you are just, you know, too smart for your own good. All of you are just incredibly smart people, right? great education, great experiences, great life experiences, right? Great values in that, you know, there are certain things that we're just going to do naturally. But the other things, well, hmm, is that really getting us out of my comfort zone? Actually, it is, but it's getting into a zone that is necessary for you, right? To take yourself to the next level. So, you know, is there like some secret sauce? Why, you know, Rami, some of your clients, you know, um, accelerate their transition within just a few months, some within just a few weeks, you know, obviously non-COVID times and lockdown times, but, but, but what is that, right? It's a mixture of, of things, right? It's a mixture of things, but I can tell you one thing is for certain, right? When you put yourself in a position where you feel like this is it, I've got to do this. If I don't do this, if not now, then when, right? The just do it sort of approach. If you don't do that, well, then how are you going to take more chances, more risks, right? That are necessity, that, that are required for you to do more things in life, right? Those who achieve more, right, typically are those that at some point in time, decided to take a risk. And I'm not asking you to risk, you know, jumping ship and move to Guatemala and, and you know, and, and harvest coffee beans. You know, I'm asking you, you know, to take a risk in that ask questions that you typically would not ask in a conversation. Do things that are required of you to do so that you are portrayed in the light necessary for you to take your career to the next level. So earlier on, I was talking about, you know, the conversation about, you know, this individual that wanted to transition internally. She didn't want to move out to another company or another industry. She just wanted to be able to take that program management position after being a project manager in a sea of other people um, in her company. And the way she did that was she was able to explicitly show that she shared the same values of her manager. 
And that was something that was totally unnatural. In fact, she didn't share all of them, but she made sure that she actually showed that she did in, in, in a very, very opportune-like fashion so that she could put herself in a position to the next level. Was this, you know, totally inauthentic? No, no, not at all. The inauthenticity of it was, you know what, I'm going to do things, I'm going to mirror someone that I never thought I, I would actually have to do. And I feel very strange doing it. So when she's excited about something, I'm going to be excited about something. Uh, when she's feeling down about something, I'm going to bring my tone down. You know, again, the greatest significance you could ever achieve for yourself and for others, right? If you're leaders and positions and you've got, you've got your teams, is this feeling of understanding, feeling of, of being understood. But that feeling of being understood doesn't have to be understood by the, by the public eye. It just has to be understood between you and yourself. That in itself is liberating enough for you. That should be liberating enough for you. I hope it's liberating enough for you because if you can have that relationship with yourself, one which Giovanni had, right, when he went into Rome, right, Giovanni Casanova <laughs> went into Rome, you know, th these sorts of things, right, are what, you know, bring about this sort of aura of, of mystery around you, mystery between you and yourself, that, that sort of relationship that you can have with yourself where you are doing things that you may not have anticipated you have to do, but anticipated that you wanted to do should the opportunity provide, provide itself for you. And that's what I got to say about that. That's what I got to say about that. So again, here in conclusion, let's start where we actually, uh, where we actually started, or let's conclude where we actually started, where, you know, Robert Greene says, do not accept the roles that society foists on you. Recreate yourself by forging a new identity, one that commands attention and never bores the audience. Be the master of your own image rather than letting others define it for you. Incorporate dramatic devices into your public gestures and actions. Your power will be enhanced and your character will seem larger than life. What a bold statement here. What a bold statement. We would have to go that far but as far, far enough to where you're able to achieve more because, man, you deserve more. Um, and, that is, and that's obviously where I come from and where I will continue to come from in our conversations moving forward. Um, and that being said, I'm going to stop there. If you've gotten this far in my podcast, I'm hoping that means that you love my coaching content. If you'd like to continue the journey with me on a much deeper, personal, and immersive level, please visit my website at bramibalut.com and schedule a 45-minute real talk session with me. You can also enroll my online program at theworkingant.com and join me for five months of weekly live group coaching where you can ask me your questions live in a group coaching setting. Use code PODCAST for an incredible discount at checkout. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Your career fulfillment is so important to me. You deserve nothing less than that. I truly hope you take what we talked about today and use it deliberately, practically, and strategically to accelerate your next career transition, conversation, or simply just to nourish your personal and professional life. If you'd like to receive periodic content from me, please visit ramibalut.com and register for my mailing list by signing up to receive your free ebook, which by the way, is an awesome ebook, if I may say. Until next time, this is your host and coach, Rami Balut, signing off for today's podcast on The Working At. Remember, if not you, then who? If not now, then when?